0: Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at mwa underscore national. Now to our hosts, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatke, and yours truly, Chris Adkins.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 72nd edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today's special guest is Zach Higgins. But before we get to him, let me introduce our panel of experts tonight. And I don't know if you can count them as experts in anything, except for babbling on on an audio podcast. I'm Tom Iovino of tomsworkbench.com, and I'll be your host for the program, joining me from the lovely confines of Long Island, New York, is Deami Palaki. Deami, how you doing?
2: Good evening, Tom. How are you?
1: Lovely. So, unable to join us tonight is Chris Adkins from Hotland, Georgia. Yeah, but I think sure he melted. Out, I'm sure he's out enjoying the peaches. <laughs> and also joining us from the lovely state of, not the Commonwealth, but the state of Nevada, is Zach Higgins. Zach, how you doing? Good.
0: Very good. You're, You're going to be our
1: special guest on this program, aren't you? Well, I'm special, that's for sure. That's good. I'm glad to see you ride the short bus to the workshop. <laughs> so right. what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with what's in the shop this week. Diami, can you tell us what I'm looking at in the show notes right now, please? Um
2: well in, in the show notes you you're looking at three little triangles of this really I don't know if figured is the right word, but I'm gonna call it figured walnut. Um it's a it's a crotch of some sort. You can see the branches coming out. Um it's just got this wonderful grain pattern. So I'm making a trophy for a friend of mine. It's a uh, some sort of sports thing, trophy. Uh, I'm really into it. Um, and the trophy itself is three tiers of walnut with beer bottles, spray painted gold to make them as tacky as possible to make the pillars between the, the different tiers. And then it gets a, um, a beer mug at the very top. So that's the wood component. And uh, I got it. I got it cut out and cut to shape. What I realized, though, is that the, the topmost piece, which is the small little triangle, it's probably too small. Um, as I put the, the crowning mug on it to try it out, I actually bought a hole saw bit because I want to make a little recess to set the mug in.
1: Ah, so it won't slide off.
2: Yeah, and the hole saw is basically kissing the edges of the three sides. So I think I may have to remake the small component of it. But um, – but that's what's going on in the shop. Not, not all that much, quite frankly. I don't think I've been in the shop in about a week and a half. Really? Time for yeah. you to
1: get out there.
2: Yeah. Well, today, actually, today I was in the shop, but I was running networking cable, and I didn't actually touch a real tool. The sacrifices you make yeah. for the
1: Modern Room Workers Association podcast.
2: What's going on in your shop, Tom?
1: Oh, gosh. That's a good question. Um, we're still in the middle of Project Hope Chest number three. Um, and, uh, uh, what have I been doing? Gosh, you know, this past weekend I got so much work done on it. I got panels put together with frames, um, and, uh, everything glued up and it's now standing. It looks um, great. I thought it
2: was actually done when I saw that picture.
1: Well, yeah, it's close. I mean, I just have to, you know, obviously there's finishing that goes on with this now. Um, but it's also, I have to put in the bottom and, uh, and just work on the lid and kind of, you know, kind of, you know, finesse some of the details a little bit, but, uh, but I've got the hinges in, in, in house and. I've got the finish in house, and I just need to start to really start the finishing process on it. Um, for those of you who may have uh, been following Tom's Workbench.com, the blog, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was hand planing, and I actually had a little tear out problem. We talked about um, that in the last podcast. Yes, matter of fact, I did. You know, the the, the grain on cherry is just some really tricky stuff sometimes. And uh, I was planing, and I thought I could, you know, just kind of kind of do it all with hand planes, and wouldn't have to worry about anything. And then there was a big giant. Tear out on the face side. I thought to myself, "Gosh, if only I had a belt sander." And then I thought to myself, "I did." So what I did was I took my uh, my, my trusty handy dandy belt sander, and um, what I did was I actually sanded the piece uh, down, um, just you know, just ever so carefully. Took my time and went very carefully with it. And uh, now it's now it's in its rough phase, but it's nice, and nice and flat. Now, that's, that's the beauty about it.
2: Couple questions about that. You mentioned in your post about it that you went cross grain with the sander. um My only real experience with a belt sander is working on floors. So when you're finished, when you're sanding the top with it, why cross grain versus diagonal versus with the grain? What's the What's the impact on grain direction versus the? Well, you know, the
1: funny thing is, is you know, I I, we've been to you know a lot of uh, hand planing lectures, Diami, you and I, and I know if you don't if you don't plug in the tool, you don't use it. I understand that. Uh, but some of these, uh, some of these, uh, you know, experts we've had on in the past, you know, uh, past guys like Chuck Bender and Chris Schwartz and folks like that. Um, one of the things they recommend that you do is you plane across the grain.
2: Um, and that's, that so I
1: understand, I went, but you're sanding, so I sanded across the grain. I figured, you know, if the same physics apply, okay. I mean, so I figured I would do that, and what I did was I drew uh, pencil lines across it, and I went across the grain. Um, which actually was was very good because it was a shorter di- it was a shorter uh, dimension. So by going in that shorter dimension, instead of trying to make long strokes along the whole piece, I was able to just go in that shorter dimension, and the piece sanded up beautifully. Now, of course, I'm going to have to sand with the grain um, when I when I start to, when I start that second part of the uh, the finishing, and then I'm going to random orbit sand it, and then uh, then get the scraper out, get a scraper nice and sharp, and just do that to, to hit it, just kiss it like that. Um, and really, you know, this top's really going to be nice. And um, I've been talking about doing an inlay. And uh, I, I know my niece isn't listening to this because she has more important things to do with her life than listen to her forty-six-year-old. What else
2: would a fifteen-year-old girl do?
1: I mean, seriously. I mean, you know, she's sixteen now, so I'm already. Okay. Um, what happened was they, when 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 they were living in their house in Maryland, um, they 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 had three trees in the front yard, and and. My niece, Katie, and her, her sister, Lauren, and her brother, Michael, all had their own trees identified. So, uh, you know, they'd climb up in them, and they would, I don't know, they'd play all kinds of crazy kid games. Well, well, Katie's tree was a Bradford pear that was too close to the sidewalk, and it's, the roots started to heave the sidewalk. Um, so they had to cut it down. And my brother-in-law had the smarts to cut out a section from the, from the trunk. And what he did was he actually saved that section for all these years since they had to cut it down. And uh, what he did was he gave it to me. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to cut a piece of inlay from that tree in the shape of a heart and inlay it into the lid of the uh, of the chest. So that's pretty asks, cool. So when yeah, she asks what it is, I'm going to say it's from her tree. So you know that's really going to be. I mean, that's the kind of thing. If she doesn't cry, she doesn't have emotions. <laughs> She's a robot <laughs> at that point. So um, so that's going to be that's gonna be a pretty big deal when that unveiling happens. So I just have to finish up, you know, I, I think one more weekend and maybe a few nights in the shop and I should be pretty darn close if not done. Um, and then what we'll have to do is uh, Katie's sister Lauren is actually coming to the University of Tampa in the fall. So I think they're planning a road trip down just to kind of get her situated. And then we'll be able to do the unveiling. And then because it's kind of like a, a tab together kind of piece, it's not mm-hmm. a dovetail or anything like that. It's kind of a a tongue and groove piece, um, I can flat pack it and ship it back with with my brother-in-law. He could just assemble it at the house. Okay. So it's just going to be just tab A and a slot B and put the bottom in and everything will be fine. And uh,
2: this way, when it's all done, if there are any flaws, it's because Dad put it together wrong. Yeah,
1: because my brother-in-law Larry did it as opposed to me. So I can blame everything on Larry at that point and it'll be perfect. Uncle Tom built a beautiful chest and then then my brother-in-law messed it up. So (laughs) I've got the perfect (laughs) Dow. Sounds good. You see, somebody's got to have one, right?
0: <laughs>
1: and, Zach, what's going on in
0: your shop these days? Oh, man. I got casting going on and turning. Right? This week I'm what making a – I got an order for a bunch of pens. Forgot about that. A uh, bunch of pens. I'm making a couple carbide tool handles for for somebody, and then I'm doing a lot of casting. Now, what you mean casting? Are you talking like fly fishing? What are you doing? <laughs> no, uh, cat like resin casting. So it's similar to think about two part epoxy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's a, a a resin you could cast with, especially the West system. Um, pretty expensive way to go, but um, I use a thing that's a brand called Alumalite, and it's a polyurethane resin. A lot of people use poly polyester resin, uh, but basically what you're doing is you're mixing these two things, and you can add color. You can dump wood in it do whatever and most of the stuff that i make out of them are like pens so they're like you know i make turning blanks out of it well and we're gonna
1: get we're gonna get a lot more information about this when we start talking and do the interview so we don't want to give away everything but not everything so you, so you so you got like the the pen order you got the turning so you're a busy guy yeah pretty busy who knew? Uh, I didn't know. Well, you did I. <laughs> so that makes two of us. All right. Now, before we get into the interview with Zach, Diami, there's a couple of things going on that we need people to be aware of,
2: right? There are a couple of things going on. Okay. Um, coming up in May is Weekend with Wood, and uh, I was just on the website just a few minutes ago getting the information for the show notes, and Weekend with Wood is sold out. Hey, check it out. Yeah, so if you were looking to go to Weekend with Wood, you'll have to go next year. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's coming up in May.
1: And that's, and that's pretty cool because that's right there at, at, at uh, Meredith Publi- Publishing's headquarters in Des Moines, Iowa. It's right there where Wood Magazine's published. Exactly. exactly. So all the, all the shots inside the shops where they're building the projects for the magazine, you get to see them and you get to see the editors. It's really a cool, really a cool thing. So we definitely want to interview some folks who've been there, give the impression of what's gone on. You know, We definitely want to get some input on that one. And uh, now, Tom, what's going on in September? Well, in September, there's also Woodworking in America, the 25th to the 27th of September, and that's in Kansas City, Missouri. Mm-hmm. It's not sold out yet, but believe me, Woodworking in America gets sold out pretty quickly. So if you do want to go, um, I know I'm going uh, because it's, you know, while it's it's getting toward the end of hurricane season and I got a little time I can get away, um, a lot of other folks are going to be there as well. So it's going to be in a new city for all of us, though. So, um, I I gotta admit I've never been to the Show Me State, so somebody's gonna have to show me the places to go eat <laughs> <laughs> and have all the have all the other fun stuff that goes on there as well. Um, so uh, so again, just look search for woodworking in America. You can you can find it online. And you know what, Deami? Mean, there's something we haven't announced yet, but we have to early in May or mid May. We have to do Woodworker Safety Day. Ah. Which is something that's on the calendar, and a couple of people have already asked me, "Well, what are you guys doing?" And I'm like, Uh So if I figure if I bring it up now during the podcast, we have to pick a deck.
2: Absolutely. See, and my my cavalier attitude was letting us skip right past it, but you see,
1: you uh-huh. and your cavalier attitude—it's always that with you, isn't it? So what we're gonna have to do is we're gonna we're gonna post we're gonna post a little something, a little preview teaser on uh on woodworker safety day we're probably going to put it toward the middle of may um and what we're going to do is um uh you know we'll, we're going to we're going to find a day maybe we'll talk to some of our uh, you know our friends out there um who, who deal in safety items um see if we can get a couple of fine and fantabulous prizes to give out um you know and we'll, we'll you know we're going to ask uh, bloggers and other folks out there to talk about woodworking safety on their blogs and this way, what we can do is we can kind of build a little bit of interest about it. You know, it's the thing about safety is you know you you, you never really think about it. You know, you, you buy the tools and you buy the wood and you buy the you buy the, the the bits and the blades and everything. But safety is one of those things that you kind of using like the dust goggles from like when you were in like seventh grade.
2: Mm, yeah, we don't know have those cool masks like you do.
1: Yeah, you gotta you gotta kind of you gotta kind of think about safety for a little bit. You know, those feather boards. They cost a little bit of money It take time to make, and, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where you really want to think about those things before, you know, you have to spend that deductible at the, at the uh, hospital. I guarantee you, you know, a pair of safety goggles probably cost a whole lot less than your emergency room deductible.
2: Ty, let me just ask you, when was the last time woodworking landed you in the hospital?
1: Wow. When was the last time woodworking landed me in the hospital? I went to the, I went to the immediate care clinic when I was trimming a tree. <laughs> So was that technically woodworking? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. What the hell? Yeah, so I cut my fingers with actually a hedge trimmer. So, oh, you're I right. Solid eleven inch, eleven stitches in my in my right index finger. So oh. it doesn't look like Frankenfinger anymore. But boy, howdy, did it did it smart. And the blood was great because it was all over the place. And my son just kind of like my oldest, you know, at the time was you know Dominic was about twelve at the time. He goes, "Do you want me to clean it up?" I said, y- "You know, let me get to the hospital." First. <laughs> Get this stitched up, and then we'll talk about cleaning. Okay. So that was yeah, that was the last time anything fun befell me like that. So um, how about you, you know, Zach? I, I I prefer to, I prefer to keep it that way.
0: <clears throat> well,
1: that's the last time.
0: I haven't been to the hospital for a while, but when I first started woodworking, I decided to try and chop my finger off with a chisel. Oh! I learned real quick that it's not a good idea to hold the piece of wood and then chisel towards your hand. No. Vices are a lot better, so yeah, you know, that
1: vices don't that mind fun. if you hit them. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> so learn that lesson early, and I haven't really had any real accidents in the shop since. Excellent. Well, let's. Keep and it by down. the way, uh, safety glasses do cost a lot less than your deductible.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, they I, do. I'm willing to bet? I'm willing to bet if you haven't paid an emergency room deductible in the past couple of years, you can probably buy a good, you know, I don't know, eight or ten. Safety glasses, quality safety glasses for the price of your
0: yep. safety glasses and a vice. Deductible, I <laughs> guarantee you.
1: Yes. And a few other items in there, too, that will keep you safe. So, well, now that we've gone around safety and we're talking about that, and, of course, we'll, we'll pop up the date for Woodworker Safety Day, let's introduce Zach Higgins from the NV Woodworks, dot com. And you can find him on MV Woodworks, again with the E, because he's trendy that way. And, and, Zach, it's because it's Nevada,
0: right? No, actually, the story behind the name or that spelling is, is I did not Nevada. want to call it work. Oh. That's why there's okay. an E in there.
1: Okay. So it wasn't
0: work and you're from Nevada. That's right. Am I seeing it right? I'm from New Jersey. Uh, pretty, yeah. pretty good. It's, it's, it's just not Nevada. It's not Nevada, okay. Not, not Nevada. It's Nevada. <laughs> okay.
1: so, so you're at NVWoodworks.com, and you're known for turning pens. How would you get into that?
0: Actually, I was very against turning pens, but I had to take a class. Well, I went up and took a class, and it had to be turning pens. So I started there and just kind of kept going, and finally I just loved it.
2: Let me Isn't ask you, why do you <laughs> have <laughs> to take a class in pens?
0: I wanted to take my dad to a turning class for Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And the only class because we hadn't ever taken a class at this place, we had to take the like intro pen class. <laughs> you know, I was so I was pretty disappointed because at that time turning what I wanted to do with turning was, you know, make table legs and furniture parts. And I was a little bit disappointed, but after taking that class, I started turning pens and doing, you know, little things here and there, and I just after a while, I just kind of really got into it.
2: Were you a a furniture builder before that?
0: Yeah. I used to be an appraiser, and I started woodworking back right around the time when the Wood Whisperer came out. Okay. I don't know what year that was, but uh, so I started doing that kind of stuff. It was about 8 BC. That's right. (laughs) That's how long he's been around. (laughs) I know. So I started there, and I was just doing it on the weekends, having fun, and a fork in the road kind of came. I, I... was going to have to leave. The, well, I kind of got fired, but I was leaving this company that I was working for, and I kind of at the time thought, you know, I really enjoy woodworking, so I want to give it a try since I kind of have that opportunity right now. And so I just kind of started doing that, and I I got into it thinking I was going to be a custom furniture builder, but I learned real quick after the first project that I was delivering finished and the side split out. <laughs> Ooh. And I was like, man, I'm pretty much uh, it, it, I'm gluing it up in my in my customer's living room. And I was like, I these big projects suck to deliver, you know, unless they come and pick them up at the shop. I it just it just killed me. So I kind of started focusing on smaller items and things. You know, I, I have an Etsy shop and I was going to try and just do small type of things you know, maybe something like cutting boards. I I never did that, but small things like that. And then pens came, you know, right around that same time. I started kind of getting into pens and people kept asking me, oh, you know, can you make me one? I'll buy one, you know, and that it just kind of transitioned into this kind of smaller gift item type stuff. And then I'm at this point, I'm really just focusing on pens. So is that what you're doing
2: full time now is it's making the custom pens?
0: Yeah. Yep. And then with that, I started getting into the, the the acrylic stuff. And so as part of my business, I'm also selling the the blanks. Oh, okay. That's
2: why you're always casting so much, not just for yourself, but for the blanks you sell.
0: Yeah. When I got into that, actually, I really really enjoy doing that stuff. It's you know, woodworking is awesome. I love I love woodworking, but the the blanks because you're you're working with colors and you can kind of design things more like just strict art in a sense, you know, Mm -hmm. I found that it's just, you know, you can make anything you want (laughs) with that resin stuff so I can make stuff and then turn it. And so it just all fed into one thing.
2: I saw that you, you, you made some fairly recently with pine cones in it. Um, Mm -hmm. do you put a lot of non resin items in the, in them and is a form of experimentation? You're not sure what you're going to get or do you have an idea what a pine cone looks like when it's cast in resin and turned before you do it?
0: There's a lot – well, I know – I generally know kind of what things are going to look like with, with just – because I put a lot of uh, wood. Actually, being from Nevada, one of my – one of the things that I wanted to come up with was something completely Nevadan. Like no – no, <laughs> there's no question that that's definitely from Nevada. It's poker so chip then? What? Either poker, poker chip or sand, right? Poker chip. No, actually sagebrush. Ah, oh,
1: okay.
0: Sagebrush is the state flower, but <laughs> – for most Nevadans, they're going to say it's a weed, and it's just, it covers everywhere in the whole state of Nevada, pretty much anywhere on the, you know, the kind of high desert west coast area around here, and so it's just ubiquitous. I mean, you see it everywhere, you know, if you go on a road trip, it's that's all you see is sagebrush, and it's just, it's not necessarily very pretty or anything, <laughs> you know, but it's everywhere, and so what I what I managed to do is, it's it's kind of a shrub, and so what I do is I take the branches and stuff like that, and then just cut them up and then i cast those pieces in the resin for the sagebrush pens cool so yeah it started there with the wood with me you know doing doing casting with that but i've seen a lot of other people's blanks you know what they do and and so i kind of have an idea if you put you know curly maple in it or you know chunks of wood or something like that i kind of have an idea but pine cones are another thing i'm actually up kind of near tahoe and so we have Tons of pine trees, and so I started collecting those and, and embedding them. I, I did know what they'd kind of look like, but after the first one that I did, I was like, "Wow, I am making more of these because <laughs> they look yeah. really cool." Once you like, once you turn them, it's it, that's the weird thing about casting is a lot of people have suggestions like, "Oh, you should put this in there," and the problem is if it's a really neat item in live space, you know, uh, I am trying to think of an example, something that just looks cool. Uh, Outside of the casting, uh, for instance, I, I made a, a pen blank out of Captain Crunch berries cereal. Uh-huh. Get out! It, yeah, and so that seemed like it'd be a really cool idea, and it didn't turn out terrible. But the problem is, when you do that, you cast it in there, then you turn it. It does. It's not identifiable. You know, it doesn't look like Captain Crunch. It just kind of looks like. And <laughs> who knows what? An
1: answer, you know, that's how you get ants.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so what I found is a lot of times mundane things. When you throw those in there and then turn it, and, and it becomes a kind of a sphere or a cone shape, that's when you get really cool uh, effects. And so with the pine cones, you're really kind of you know cutting them through the middle of the pine cone, and so you see these kind of weird shapes. Mm-hmm. And so those are usually the better. You know, if, if you're going to make a pen blank, usually that type of thing. Uh, it turns out really good, and so the pine cones have worked out really awesome for me.
2: So you're looking for something that has an interesting cross section.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Now, a lot you- of times you can just put. Uh, I'm trying to think. Depending on how you put, like arrange things, and you know, I, when I'm casting, I'm usually doing it in a like a rectangular mold, mm-hmm. and so it's just kind of a trough of, of resin. And then what I do is I cut the blanks out of it. So if you just arrange things. In you know different kind of geometries or, or different angles and stuff, that a lot of times turns out really cool too.
2: When you, when you take your castings out of that rectangular mold and you cut it, are you cutting that in a bandsaw or a table saw or something else?
0: I do it on the table saw. Uh, selling the blanks, I like to have them fairly smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't really. It's kind of a weird thing with me. I just it helps it helps me to sell them because you can see you know a, a, a better cut is going to allow you to kind of see what's actually going on that makes sense. with the resin and all that. So for me, I do that. Now, the problem is, you know, you're taking an eighth inch of resin and whatever the material is for every cut. So it's kind of wasteful, but it just, it works better for me that way. A lot of people do it on a bandsaw. So.
1: I mean, you know, you've got to see what you're getting into. I mean, especially if it's the first couple of times you've ever turned something, you know, with like that embedded in resin, you know, it's it's good to help somebody envision
0: what Yeah. Going to yeah. Yeah, it, it it like I said, it helps me to understand cuz sometimes I have no clue until I start cutting into it. You know, I I especially I I like to experiment a lot with that stuff cuz I mean, <laughs> you can do anything with it, you know, for the most part. And so I'll experiment, but I don't know what's going on, and so I don't really like rough cuts don't really help me figure it out until, you know, then you definitely have to turn it to actually see what's going on.
2: Do you find that you're making a lot of blanks that are typical for a custom interesting blank or are you making blanks that no one else makes with these different combinations
0: a lot of times colors you know people really like the like team colors that's okay. been a big one for me so I've been trying to match uh you know using dyes and stuff like that try and match pretty much pretty close to to the colors for you know I got an order for the Seahawks when the Super Bowl Seahawks and Patriots got a pretty big order for those and so you know I got a co- you know color match to a to a certain degree, uh, the the team colors, people love those. Um, and then, yeah, you're you're it's that red, white, and black and gold. That's University of Maryland's colors. Okay,
2: baby, got to
1: come oh, up yeah? with a couple of those. What do
0: you red, black, and
1: gold? Red, red, white, black, and gold.
0: Red. That's four colors. How is half well, the rainbow? I'm sorry,
1: it's it's the four <laughs> colors of the state flag. What do you want?
0: <laughs> well, I can definitely that do that. I, like eventually, Nevada. I want to have every college, NFL, and NBA. You know, everything. Wow. want to have the the mixtures pretty much, and there's a lot of overlap with those you know there's a lot of blues that are all the same, so uh, it won't be that hard, but I can definitely do red, black, white, and gold already see there you go, boom, right there, right there. see all, all you university
1: of Maryland fans they're all listening right now thinking <laughs> we've got it solved
2: that's right <laughs> now we've talked about it a, a bunch, but I have never turned a thing i uh, my my two of my sons have turned pens at, when they went to the woodworking shows this year. So I've seen pens being turned, but I've heard people say, Well, you seem to think that the, the acrylics are really interesting. As a non turner, I think the acrylics look really interesting, but I'm not a traditionalist and I don't have to deal with how it turns. But I've heard comments about how once, how some people will turn acrylic and not like it at all. So talk to me about the difference between acrylic and wood when you're turning and, and one versus the other in terms of the way it turns and what it's like
0: that's actually a good point that's a good question um in general wood is probably i might say easier in a sense i mean some woods are really hard so like super super hard woods are not very fun to turn that sagebrush stuff is super gnarly and hard and it's not the most fun thing to turn i I wouldn't say Uh, but acrylics are you got to turn them at high speeds you don't want to be you i literally wind my lathe up as fast as it'll go you'll get a better cut but there's also kind of a difference between what type of acrylic you're turning and so i I kind of mentioned at the beginning there's most of people most people that cast pens you know do do the casting themselves okay use epoxy polyester resin or polyurethane resin out of those three polyurethane resin and and the brand that i use i don't know if i i don't know i don't know if you want to bring that up on the show Um I use Alumolite which is pretty well known for you know in the casting or pen blank world. It turns very it's very it's like a softer material.
2: And that's a so, polyurethane resin.
0: Yeah. Compared to epoxy and polyester resin, those two are pretty similar and they're fairly brittle. And so a lot of people don't like the brittleness because you can get chip out on a on when you're turning the pen. Okay. So and I don't particularly like it either, but for the most part It feels lagged. That's the only way that I can kind of, I don't know, describe it. Things go slower. You know, you can turn wood a lot quicker because it just kind of cuts. It shears. You know, those fibers are shearing, but there's no fiber. uh, You know, there's no strands or anything. It's all just one lump of acrylic. And so I think, I guess, that's kind of why things turn, seem to turn a little slower on the tools. Okay. I don't know. It, it there there definitely is a difference. I don't I don't particularly care personally. You know, they they both. I'm more interested in in you know the focus of what I'm doing rather than really how it feels. I guess. Okay. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, I'm kind yeah, I mean, of. I'm know, more the Product into, is important. You know, the final product's important. So. Yeah, well, it's I guess I'm, what I'm saying though, instead of final product, is just I'm more interested in the what I'm doing rather than. Kind of like how it feels, or you know, I don't really care how it feels. I'm just watching me making the shape and converting a a piece of square, whatever, (laughs) into some type of shape, whether it be a pen or you know, whatever.
2: You're happy to be turning, be it it resin or wood. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. Now, another thing I've seen you do is the resin impregnated wood. Mm -hmm. Where does that fit between the natural wood and the acrylic?
0: I'm, I'm guessing you're talking like the stabilizing. Yes, I'm sorry. Is that I, yeah, not I mean,
2: something I do? So if I'm, yeah, no, if I'm using no, the
0: no. wrong terminology, please let me know. No, no. I'm just my terminology. I kind of d- differentiate it that way. The stabilizing is something that you sometimes have to do. If you're using, let's say, like spalted maple, the spalting areas can be really punky and kind of soft, you know, spongy kind of material. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing with stabilizing is you're just trying to harden up anything like that. The other thing that I use it for that's useful is I stabilize all the sagebrush chunks that I put in there uh, when I'm casting. And the advantage that you have with that is it doesn't – it turns better is is one thing. You don't get tear out or anything like that usually when you're stabilizing wood. The other thing that benefits me when I'm casting is if you impregnate the the wood with – uh, it's it's basically, it's a resin. It, it basically kind of plasticizes the insides of it. The thing is, you're getting rid of all the air, and mm-hmm. so those things don't float when I'm trying to cast them. Oh, okay. So that's okay. kind of a big advantage for me. But stabilizing, you know, people use it a lot for different things. I mean, I, I think that uh, Scott Meek uses, it's basically, I think, stabilized wood on his planes now because it doesn't move.
2: I know he's using the same wood that... Um Who's the tool maker that uses it? Blue spruce yeah, yeah, he's using the same What is as blue spruce, and I thought it was pressure injected, but I guess yours is too, because well, you do it in the pressure pot right
0: well they, they or you do it in the back slightly chamber. different, but it's pretty much the same thing I guess there's commercial applications where you can. You put it under such high pressure that it just forces it into the, you know, where the air would be in, in the cellular structure. Uh-huh. What I do is I use a vacuum chamber and just suck the air out first. Then when you repressurize it, it just, the, the liquid flows into those spots before the air. So it fills it before the air can get in there and then you bake it and harden it. So I, I do know that there are like industrial applications and they may be getting their wood done that way. But it's, it's pretty much the same, you know, it's the same thing for the most part. Right. You're just filling those, those airways with plastic or something, you know, works really good though. You know, the other thing is it kind of helps to, well, you know, with pens, it it is kind of, it could be a wood movement issue. You don't really want the wood moving under a finish too Mm -hmm. much. I honestly, I haven't seen any issues with that with any of my pens, whether I have stabilized wood or not, but you know, you, that is a thought you could have uh, or a reason to stabilize it. Um, and then the other thing that I'm trying to kind of get into is the dyed wood. I don't know if you've seen that where it's basically dyed throughout the wood. You're not just putting a coat of dye on the outside.
2: Are you dyeing it in the vacuum chamber the same way you're stabilizing it?
0: Yeah. You, you put it in the vacuum chamber and the way, the way that the stabilizing works, you, you put it in a vacuum chamber – Fill the chamber, you know, put your wood in there, but fill the chamber with the stabilizing resin and then put it under vacuum uh, or pull the vacuum on it. That's going to pull all the air out and then, like I said, you, you release that vacuum in it and it fills the insides of the wood with stabilizing resin. If you dye the stabilizing resin, then you're basically dyeing the wood from, you know, kind of the inside out.
2: Okay. Do you just add a couple – Drops of like a trans tint
0: or something, or do, is there a special dye you need to use? I use dyes that are made that are sold by Illumalite. Okay, uh, so it's all one of the, proprietary. Okay, I got you. Well, the reason is because uh, I think you can use trans tint, but it the problem is it's it doesn't bake into the the resin, and that's the advantage that the Illumalite resin or the Illumalite dye has. It like when you bake the resin when you heat it up or if you're casting it actually bakes into the resin when when it's under heat so that's kind of one of the advantages is it's not going to there's no fading it's baked into the resin basically okay so that's pretty fun stuff yeah the other thing is you can do double dyeing wood which that's what I'm really trying you know dyeing woods really not that hard you just add dye this double dyeing process I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but somehow you dye it once, but you don't put it under pressure or bake it. Okay. And then you go through the whole steps of doing the normal stabilizing where you pull the pull the vacuum, bake the resin and everything. And so what you end up with is this wood has two different colors of dye in depending on kind of I think it depends on the the structure of the wood and you know grain. It really works really good on burls where you so, have that grain going weird weird directions. Is it that you get,
2: is it that the wood is dyed one color and the the resin you impregnate it with is dyed another color? So you're filling all the pores with a, a different color than the wood is dyed.
0: No, you're you're doing both basically. The dye does seep into the wood, um, so you're dyeing the wood for the most part. But the the resin inside would be dyed as well. Uh, hardened, but but you're talking about really small, you know, we're talking cellular structure on, on, on the inside, so it's not like there's a lot of resin there. Okay. You're not seeing red, you know, if you dyed it red, you're not seeing a bunch of red resin because it's so small. Cool. Now, um, is
1: that, you know, we can go on for a while with your pens, but there's also some other things you're doing as well, uh, like your homemade carbide tools. What, what What's that all about, and how's that working out for you?
0: Well, I I wanted to <laughs> the story with that is, I wanted to ma- to get a circle cutter carbide tool, and I didn't want to pay one hundred and thirty dollars. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let me go to YouTube. So there's a bunch of people out there that have you know tutorials and all that kind of stuff on it. And so it's really there's nothing spectacular about those tools. It's a piece of you know maybe maybe it's stainless steel <laughs> for the bar part. I actually just use cold rolled steel, so cheap steel, piece of wood, a ferrule. I, I use a, a coupler, copper pipe coupler for those, <laughs> Okay. and then just a carbide cutter. And so I just decided, you know, I'm just going to make it. And so it turned out that cost me under 20 bucks to make my own. And how it and worked I out? It worked good. Uh, the only issue is I think I need to move the cutter a little bit forward where, I, you know, the position on the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to make one that I could turn bowls with, so it's a pretty big cutter. And I, I tried doing some stuff with it on smaller <laughs> smaller wood, you know, wood turnings and they're just the 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 whole thing's too big. So I, I need to make some smaller ones, but I can do that. It's it's pretty fun. I, I didn't really go into it thinking I was gonna sell them or anything, you know. <laughs> it was more just kind of for me. But a bunch of people have asked if they if I'm making them, and so I I'm gonna probably make a few more just so I <laughs> You know, I've only made two, and so okay. I, I don't particularly want to sell things that I don't, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'll sell I'll think
2: it. it till you make it. No, you know? no, 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 Zach, you've made dozens of them, and they're very successful.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, you know, a few months, I, I can probably say that, and I'll feel a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> I'd, ra- I'd rather just uh, not make money up front, you know, get a, get a little bit of, feel comfortable with what I'm doing, and then uh, that way I won't have to deal with returns. <laughs> down the road
1: yeah happy customers are uh, better customers yes they yeah
0: are.
1: now speaking <laughs> about happy customers you know you've also been doing weekly youtube updates how's that going
0: oh man youtube has been amazing i, I gotta honestly say that i've i've been kind of here and there you know i i, I started wood, woodworking when mark started his his wood whisperer stuff and i've been kind of following that and you know kind of involved with people online doing that stuff for a long time and i just recently really immersed myself in kind of like online woodworking stuff and youtube had always been an idea but i really wasn't comfortable getting (laughs) behind a camera and so eventually i just started doing it and i am amazed at the youtube community it is Mm -hmm. just the people on there are very supportive you know it's just been fun and so i'm At this point, the only issue I have with YouTube is I need to get better at at doing the videos. It takes me a long time to do them, but that has been fun. And so the weekly updates was something I came up with because I'm on Twitter quite a bit, and I, I do kind of daily or, you know, if I'm working on something, I usually try and take a picture and share it, you know, do whatever. So Twitter gets a lot of what I'm actually doing daily. But YouTube, I just kind of started doing casting because I started getting to the point where, I really know what I'm doing with casting and I wanted to share it because I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I started the channel up and kind of started just really hitting home on casting videos, you know, how to do this and, and different aspects of it. And then it occurred to me that, you know, the people on YouTube that, that follow my channel have no clue what I'm doing necessarily on a weekly basis. You know, I can say that, oh, I got a new pressure pot or I did this, but... Nobody really sees what I'm actually working on, and so that was kind of the idea for that, and it's gone good so far.
1: Good, good. Well, what's your YouTube channel? Envy Woodworks, and with the with the E in it, right?
0: Works. <laughs> with the E, yeah. <laughs> nice. There's definitely never any work going on. So. There's no work. I'm telling you, That's always the way an E. It works.
1: <laughs> it's got to do that. Okay, well, Zach, we've got five questions for you that we normally ask our, our guests, and um. We uh, we we'd like to we'd like to see if you could just give us just a very brief kind of reader's digest summary of, uh, of of you know for each of the each of the topics. So first of all, how'd you get into woodworking in the first place?
0: I got into woodworking because I wanted to make office furniture. The funny thing is, I I got into woodworking and I never made that furniture. <laughs> <laughs> but you also got out of an office. Yeah, <laughs> got out of that too.
1: <laughs> wow you really got out of everything
0: didn't you okay. that's right I, I found woodworking and I got out of everything <laughs> nice it just changed your outlook that's right <laughs> Zach what's your favorite tool uh, right now my the lathe has got to be my favorite tool close second I would say is my saw stop table saw that thing is a workhorse
1: nice okay who do you think in woodworking has influenced you the
0: most I'd have to say Mark Spagnolo. When I got into it, he was pretty much the guiding light. <laughs> uh, close second to him was Matt because he was, you know, Matt Vanderlist. He was doing it first, but Mark's videos really—he pretty much taught me half of what I know about woodworking. So I definitely go with him.
2: Nice. As you've learned to do your woodworking and grown as a woodworker, what was what's been your biggest stumbling block?
0: Impatience definitely. I want to kind of get to the end. Uh, like I said, I I started thinking I was going to be a custom furniture builder and I'm too impatient to to work on a big project like that and try and sell it. So Mm -hmm. I keep (laughs) stepping down, stepping down. But if you take it, if you break it into smaller parts, then I'm usually all right. You know, if if mentally you just break it to the small things, then I can kind of keep, keep with it
2: compared to a high boy, a chair, uh, a, a pen is kind of instant gratification.
0: Yeah, (laughs) very instant.
1: Oh, look, I'm done. Yeah, I'll start another one. You can't do that with high boys. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Okay, and how has the internet influenced your work?
0: Greatly. I, You know, when I got into it, and there was videos, and there was podcasts, and you have all these channels that you can get information, I constantly try and think, try and imagine how it was before that, because that's really all that I knew. And I'm like, you know, what? so you joined a club, maybe a local club, and you went there. And you yeah, had the magazines. I still read the magazines. But, you know, between magazines, books, DVDs, you know, the Internet is just, again, I'm impatient. Instant gratification. If you want to learn how to cut a dovetail, you can find 5,000 ways to do it in, you know, one quick Google search. So greatly, it's it's. I don't think that I would be, I don't think I would be, I don't know, I I wouldn't call myself necessarily accomplished. But, you know, I'm pretty decent in the shop at this point at woodworking. Mm -hmm. And there's no way if the Internet wasn't (laughs) around, I'd still be like on the drill press trying to figure out how to cut a hole on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of us would be that way. (laughs) And Zach, with that, I want to thank you very much for coming on tonight. Now, yeah, thank you. Again, well, where can people find you? I just just want to just want to go. We'll give you one more opportunity to plug your site.
0: Well, my website is under construction and it has been for months. But you can go there and you can contact me through it at nvwoodworks.com. Uh, my YouTube channel—I've always—I'm getting to the point where I'm doing about a, at least a video a week, uh, maybe two. So YouTube, just search for NV Woodworks. You'll find me there. I'm on Twitter and Facebook also. That's pretty much it. Google Plus. Sweet.
1: All right. Well, all hey, if you, if you haven't seen Zach's work, you gotta you gotta look it, you gotta look it up because I'm telling you, it is something to see. Zach, yeah. thank you so much for coming
0: on tonight. Well, thank you guys. I had a really good time.
1: Hey, it was a blast. Yeah, and we're happy to have you. Well, you. say the word Nevada. That's
0: right. <laughs> we're always it's learning, Nevada. and all the Commonwealth states too.
1: <laughs> and we learned we learned that there are four Commonwealths in the United States as well. So this is great. So actually, okay. that'll be the question for next next broadcast. somebody tell us what the four commonwealths are so just let us know and when we're done being mr history that about wraps it up for today's show if you're missing us already you can subscribe to the show on itunes just search for the modern woodworkers association once you're subscribed you'll be sure to never miss another exciting episode and while you're at itunes please leave us a five-star
2: ranking even if you don't think we deserve it just do it so because it helps other people find us more easily and if you want to find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit ModernWoodworkersAssociation.com. Follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You could like the MWA on Facebook or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. While you're there, join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. Uh, I am Diami Plotke of PenultimateWoodshop.com. I am at Diami Plotke on the Twitters.
1: And I'm Resident Shot Monkey, Tom Iovino of Tom's Workbench.com and at Tom's Workbench on Twitter. Until we see you again, and right now my eyes are closed so I can't even see you now, we wish you all happy sawdust. Thanks for listening.